1: From the Fox News radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy to be with you. Center, Tom Cotton, bottom of the hour, Dan Bongino. Uh, He's got the fifth biggest podcast in the country, big star here. Uh, He's going to be uh, joining us. I had to get his take on the whole John Brennan interview with Chris Wallace and his rewriting of recent 2016 history as it goes to spying on the Trump campaign as well as what he knew and the importance of the dossier. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, and also it's kind of an exciting day. There's going to be a Operation Warp Speed Summit. We've got to get people pumped up to take the and feel good about taking the vaccine, not coerce, but sell them on the safety of it and ask all the questions you can. And that's really part of what the president's doing today. We've got 20 million doses ready to go out as soon as the FDA decides to OK it. Exciting because a 90 year old got the first shot. So let's get to the big three and then to your calls
1: now with the stories you need to know it's brian's big three number three
3: what really breaks my heart is that um i don't know of any data that says you need to shut down outdoor dining or outdoor bars uh we really wanted to limit the indoor crowded places so um i think we need to do what's necessary to turn the pandemic but not more
2: yeah the death of small business in america and the roles the incompetent power mad governors and mayors in doing so, the real life consequences of the haphazard, ill thought out closures and shutdowns, and how they are finally standing up. These owners are and sounding off, demanding they prove that they follow. They, they are following the science. Number
4: two, the legal team uh, reached out and asked if I would be willing to, to present the oral argument if the court took the case, and I told them I'd be happy to. Uh, because particularly at a time when this country is so divided, when, when people are so angry, I think we need a sense of resolution.
2: Presidential recount is best hope Pennsylvania now. Ted Cruz has volunteered to carry the case if the Trump team can get them to the Supreme Court.
5: Number one.
1: It is the shot seen around the world. First on the globe to receive it, 90-year-old grandmother Maggie Keenan made
6: history. I say go for it. Go for it because it's, it's free and it's the best thing that's ever happened. So do, please go for it. That's all I say.
2: Ah, that's awesome. Uh, vaccine summit today and the first Pfizer recipient shot in the UK is official. Help is on the way. So what does it mean for us and you are prepared to take it? What would it take to convince you? You know, some athletes are saying, uh, a lot of people say, maybe we have famous athletes take it uh, of all different ethnic backgrounds, male or female, to give people feel better about it. We know former president says, I'll go ahead and take it. So what is it? Well, the Pfizer... Uh, vaccine is out first. Right after that, the Moderna vaccine. The word is Johnson & Johnson right behind that. The AstraZeneca is supposedly there as well. So hopefully we'll have a chance to see it, research it and take it so we can get back to normal because the way right now these incompetent, self-obsessed, power mad governors and mayors are ruining our lives and destroying our business. And that's what's got to stop. Do you see some of the numbers in terms of businesses? We all know that business down the block that's now boarded up, whether it was because of a riot, because of our racial injustice, or is it because they're just not allowed to open? Because the Target's open, Costco's open, Home Depot's open, but they're not allowed to open? They say 10,000 restaurants will close in three months amid the coronavirus freefall. 500,000 are at risk. 100,000 already closed. This is all because... Uh, we we, ha- we didn't get the vaccines, even though it's in rapid speed. Not one, no one's really taken it yet. Hopefully that'll change as early as this week. I'm all for seniors and first responders getting it. I'll take it last or first, but it, uh, we got to get it in uh, in our cities, in our country, to the point where we can go back to school, back to sports, back to work, back on the subway, back in the planes. Small businesses in California down 28.3%. The number of small businesses open has decreased 30%. That is just in California. And they're shutting down these businesses. They say they're based on science, but they can't prove it's based on science. In New York, the same thing. Well, we have a system, and we've got an Emmy Award for that system. But it's not the case. In Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, they shut down schools. Why? When the science said they are better off staying in school. People are fed up. So... In case you think that it's just that I want to be able to eat out or I know somebody that has a restaurant, here's Admiral Brett Giroir. He knows it's raging in this country. He knows deaths are up. I mean, well, you don't have to look anywhere to see what's going on with the, uh, with the actual virus itself. Deaths are up. Five, uh, 1,522 people died yesterday. That's up 47 percent over the last week. 202,000 cases on Monday. Most people will survive without being hospitalized, but some will. Here's the admiral on how far to take it to protecting us. Cut one.
3: What really breaks my heart is that... Um, I don't know of any data that says you need to shut down outdoor dining or outdoor bars. Uh, we really wanted to limit the indoor crowded places. So um, I think we need to do what's necessary to turn the pandemic, but not more. That's not evidence-based. That's gonna be counterproductive. Why are they doing- you don't have to close universities. You don't have to close your major indu- industries. You do need to wear a mask. That's critically important when you're in public and can't physically distance. We know what the science says. We know that there are countermeasures that are effective. And uh, whatever the expression is, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I think we could be causing a lot more harm by overly restrictive um, recommendations that are not supported by the science.
2: That's Admiral Giroir, who is running the task force, the coronavirus task force. And he disagrees with Anthony Fauci. He said something a little bit different. But hazy, as usual with Anthony Fauci, the most overrated personality, doctor. All he does is interview and podcast. He's on the cover of People magazine. Please tell me something that's been educational. Can we please call him out? Because in February, he says it's not going to be a problem here. And up until the middle of March, he said that Dask, uh, masks give you a false sense of security. And we're lauding him. All the celebrities love him. Governor Cuomo talks about Robert De Niro playing him in the movie and that uh, Al Pacino would play Governor Cuomo. Do you believe these clowns going back and forth on this? But when it comes to the science, reporters are asking the questions that business owners are asking and the parents are asking, what are you doing? Where is the data that shows what you're doing is actually protecting anybody? Here's a typical exchange between the governor of California and a reporter who's finally getting inquisitive. Cut for.
7: And I'm wondering what you say to these people who say, look, I've done everything you've asked. I followed the rules. I spent a lot of money on PPE. My staff is on the brink of you know, losing their jobs. We're on the brink of losing our business. I
8: said it Friday. I said it Monday. I'll say it again today. Um, I'm deeply empathetic and deeply uh, committed to advancing the cause of supporting our small businesses during this trying and challenging time.
2: True. And he also said, uh, I'm deeply empathetic, but he also said, we've heard from so many people whose businesses are being shut down. We got that. But he never answered the question about what science you're going at and, and what, uh, what stats are you looking at. Why is it that I'm going to an indoor mall? I don't want to get people who run indoor malls in trouble. But if you go to an indoor mall and you go to a Costco and Target, you're taking a risk. And no one's making us go there, especially with Amazon. You get everything you want. They have Whole Foods. You can get food. You can get equipment. You can get gifts. You don't have to go anywhere. But if I choose to go, I'd like to be able to go. What are you seeing? Kevin O'Leary, you know, Shark Tank fame, self-made multimillionaire. He was on CNBC and he couldn't take it anymore. Cut five.
9: How is it possible when I've spent sixty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 on the back of the restaurant and the front of the restaurant to provide the seats and the heaters and it, it complied with the city ordinance, and right across the street is a big-box retailer with food services, vending machines... And open service courts inside the store. You're telling me the viral load in the outside of my restaurant is higher than the viral load inside of the big box, which is enclosed.
2: The answer is no, and he's he, rhetorical. He goes on.
9: Cut six. And there's no science claim on this. You, you people are making a comment of science statements. How can outside be less safe? Then inside. You heard Gottlieb himself on your own air just moments ago talking about eating in restaurants outside with a mask on. So now I, as a sheriff, have to go bankrupt, and all the employees I have have to be laid off for the third time.
2: It was been explained to us, too, and you probably know it is when you get to reopen, you got to go pre buy food and drinks and everything like that. And you got to go, you know, get the plexiglass, the screw gun, the construction workers. You have to. Uh, uh, decouple a lot of these tables. you got to spread them out. It's got a certain max. you got to put a lot of the plexiglass uh, in between your bars, uh, in your bar, in between sections and seats. And then if you get shut down again, you lose all that money, and the food goes bad. you got to basically give it away. Angela Martson of Fame, she's famously, she's got that bar restaurant. It's called the Pineapple. It's called the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill. And right across in her parking lot, as she's being shut down as of Monday, they were doing a movie set, Outdoor Dining. Uh, there's a cafeteria set up right there. She went crazy, and here's what she says in a series of interviews to gain more attention for her plight and the plight of others. Cut seven.
0: In the beginning, um, I was all on board, and when things were changing in you know short notice and things, I thought, well, you know, maybe they're just disorganized, they don't know any better, but they've known uh, they've known how the winner was going to be since March. So, I, you know, I just I don't think they care.
2: I don't either. I just don't think they care. Uh, they think they're going to get bailed out by Joe Biden uh, with money. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. 408 7669 I see people. Uh, they see numbers. Dan Bongino's next, Fox News contributor. He's got his podcast number six in the country. Uh, I got to get him on the rewriting of history by John Brennan, who's actually trying to sell a
1: book down our throats. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams.
1: Breaking news. Unique
5: opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The Steele dossier was something that I never, you know, looked at from a standpoint of credibility because it wasn't something that the CIA had acquired. And so I think, you know, people point to the Steele dossier as this, you know, reason why the whole thing was a hoax. No, there was so much other evidence and intelligence to support those judgments. So I am very comfortable with how the intelligence community came out on that 2016 election. John
2: uh, John Brennan, with his explanation to Chris Wallace on his on his book tour about the 2016 investigation that he knew, he said he spoke to, uh, he spoke to Durham for eight hours. Dan Bongino joins us now. His podcast, one of the biggest in the country, uh, you can get the Dan Bongino show everywhere. And he's a Fox News contributor. Dan, uh, I wanted to get you to respond to John Brennan. Do you have anything to challenge him on?
7: Yeah, I mean he's blind. I mean, it's almost sociopathic in in his ability to lie. I mean, think about this. Uh, In in the face of of incredible evidence, I mean, legions of evidence that Brennan saw the dossier before he said he saw the dossier, he continues to go on news programs and say otherwise. I'll give you an example here because, you know, evidence matters, which is crazy because John Brennan was in the intelligence field and he's not that intelligent. So in August of 2016. John Brennan goes up to Capitol Hill and briefs members of Congress, including Harry Reid. What he briefs them about later appears in a letter Harry Reid, you know, former Democrat senator, writes to the FBI. Now, we have that letter, Brian. We can see it. That's called evidence. And in that letter is information that only appears in one spot, the dossier, so I don't get it. So if Brennan briefed Reed in August of 2016 about information that Reed later put down in writing and then sent to the FBI and that information's only in the dossier that would tell a logical person, meaning not the liberals listening to your program because they have six foot thick skulls, that Brennan knew about the dossier and is lying about it. I mean, again, these are just facts. Anyone can look up that letter and say, wow, The letter Reed wrote sounds awfully like the Steele dossier, and Brennan breathed Reed. It's just so bizarre. This guy is like sociopathic in his ability to lie. It's disgusting.
2: And, Dan, the other thing is when people say we didn't really need the dossier, does that fly in the face of what Andy McCabe said?
7: Uh, Andy McCabe has already admitted that without the dossier they wouldn't have a criminal case. And another thing in that soundbite you played in the beginning, which I heard from Brennan, he says that there's this other – it's been called the – uh, a, a cornucopia of information. Uh, he, there's all kinds of different things that it's been described four or five different ways by plethora of information uh, outside of the dossier. Brian, where is it? W- where is it? We're now four years since the allegation surfaced of Russian collusion. And yet you're telling me to this day that this information outside of the dossier that the Trump team colluded with the Russians is out there and that someone's hiding it still? Where is it? Brennan's clearly lying. I mean, I, I listen. I'm not. I'm not going to pile on, but, but Chris did a terrible job in an interview. I'm sorry, he just did. Why didn't he ask him a very simple question and say, uh, Mr. Brennan, where is this information you're talking about outside of the dossier that led you to these conclusions? I mean, it was. It's a simple well, question. Well, they'll probably, oh, the Dyn, they'll probably run through the Don. They'll
2: probably run through the Don Jr. meeting, the the Manafort conversations with oligarchs, that type
10: thing.
7: Yeah, yeah. You mean the Don Jr. meeting with the Russian intelligence official uh, that's admitted to being a Clinton Foundation supporter? You mean that one? You mean the Don Jr. meeting up at the Trump Tower where the Russian translator who was in on the meeting freely admitted to the FBI that nothing was said in that meeting about Hillary Clinton at all? I mean, again, I've actually done my homework on this. A lot of other people haven't, and it's extremely disappointing. There is nothing you can say. To me, I can't refute. You just brought up the Manafort meeting. Oh, you mean with Konstantin Kalimnik, the Ukrainian, who's not Russian, by the way, who was a source for the Obama State Department? So you're telling me Manafort was meeting with this big Russian spy that was a source for the Obama State Department? So why isn't Obama under investigation? The answer is because he was not. It's total BS. All these stories are made up. There is no other evidence out there.
2: I want you to hear what Elsie said. Listen to this,
5: Dan. Looking back at 2016, were there some mistakes made in terms of the FISA applications, other types of things? Yes, apparently there were. But that doesn't mean that there was criminal intent. And there was no spying on Donald Trump's campaign. And it's very clear from Robert Mueller's investigation that there were a lot of activities that I think were very unprincipled, unethical. And it will be up to individuals in the future to determine whether or not there was any criminal activity that took place during that time.
7: No spying? I mean, this is just downright hilarious. We have the names of the spies. Azra Turk was the pseudonym used by the FBI source to infiltrate the Trump campaign. I mean, anyone can look this up. It's called the Internet. Stefan Halper was a U.S. intelligence uh, person who was involved with the intelligence community who was paid by the FBI and interacted with Trump campaign team members. I mean, do people not have access to a computer? Go use like a Commodore 64 from 1980 and just put the name in there and try to connect to the Internet. How stupid do we have the names of the spies? I mean, this is just like I said, this is borderline sociopathic behavior. And the fact that so many people refuse to call this man out, John Brennan, on the liberal side and just say, "Okay, guys, let's give it up. We lost this stupid argument. Brennan's obviously a liar. Let's Mm -hmm. move on.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This guy
7: is just puzzling. I really is. It's a head
8: scratcher.
2: It is. It's, it's crazy. And now we just, think, real quick, Dan, do you think we're going to get dorm to fill, fulfill his mission and do this study?
8: Uh, I don't know. I've lost
7: faith in the DOJ a long time ago. But uh, on a positive note, his, his push for jail time for Klein Smith, the FBI lawyer who lied, is is a good sign. So you know, good news, bad news kind of thing. Good news, he's pushing hard. Bad news, uh, I don't know. I lost faith a long time ago.
2: Well, we we got uh, Dan Bongino with the show. That's good news, Dan. How do we get your podcast?
7: Oh, thanks. Yeah, you can go to Bongino.com, dot com, Apple Podcasts, and uh, rumble dot com slash bongino if you want to watch the video and my crazy gesticulations during the show. <laughs> I, <laughs> I talk with my hands a lot. <laughs> I, I don't
2: know, I did not know you, you are. Are you half Italian?
7: Yeah, you have a shocker. I, I know you're stunned by that. It's amazing that I would talk with my hands that I'm half Italian. Right. I I'm am New half, York, too.
2: So. I know. I am half Italian, too. Hey, Dan, thanks so much. <laughs> Stay healthy. Yeah, buddy.
7: Yeah, thanks a lot, pal. Appreciate
2: you got it. Uh, listen, that was very nice of Dan to join us. Coming up next, another superstar, Senator Tom Cotton on the Senate Select Intelligence Committee on these nominees that could be coming his way and the president's hope for turning this all around.
11: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
0: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
12: I'm really not focused on it. Um, And I think that too often the politics in Washington has been about the politicians. Uh, I'm a pastor. And so when I think about these issues, I think about the people that I've had to stand with uh, in the critical care units uh, while their loved one was dying or between life and death. And not only are they concerned about the sickness, they're wondering how in the world are they going to pay for it? If Kelly Leffler has her way, 1.8 million Georgians with pre-existing conditions, that means people with hypertension, people with diabetes, folks who've had a stroke, cancer, people who are recovering from COVID would not be able to get health care. I think that's morally wrong. And it's my faith that actually informs that. Uh, she
2: can't explain why she wants to take away people's health care. She knows that that junk... The question was, Ari, how do you feel about packing the court? I'm not focused on that. The worst parry in the history of debating. Uh, here with more, Senator Tom Cotton, Senate Select Committee member, Senate Armed Committee member, uh, Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs member, but still has time for us. Uh, Senator, we got to find out if you're going to pack the court. How about no? Try that. Or yes.
13: <laughs> yeah, Um Brian, that answer reminds me of the clip from that old movie, that long, rambling, incoherent answer has made us all dumber just for listening to it. I think it was, so Billy, we Mad- really was know- it
2: Billy Madison. Yeah, uh, Billy Allison? Madison. Yeah.
13: <laughs> um, we, we know the answer to the question, though, from that long, rambling, incoherent answer is that, yes, he will pack the court, and he knows it's massively unpopular, and he won't tell the people of Georgia he plans to pack the court. Um I thought Kelly did an outstanding job in her debate on Sunday night exposing just how radical and liberal Raphael Warnock is. And time and again, when she pointed out that he had said, you can't serve God and in the military, or that America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness, or that he'd compared Israel to an apartheid state, or welcomed Fidel Castro to his church in New York, or been arrested for obstructing justice into a child abuse. Uh, allegation, he had no answer because there is no answer because those are all the simple, cold, hard facts about radical liberal Raphael Warnock.
2: Well, I mean, he does have those things, and he is a, a bit of a speaker. I mean, she did seem a little bit robot, uh, robotic. It was a probably first debate ever. Uh, between the two. And it was just a, a debate in which both sides were allowed not to answer any question. They're going to put Purdue and Leffler. they're going after them in their spots and in their speeches about their in, their their stock investments. Both of them exonerated. How would you recommend with you with the additional experience you have? They handle this right now. They're They're choosing just to avoid talking about it.
13: Brian, my personal technique has always been not to have enough money to invest in stocks. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but Brian, the point you make is right, um, that multiple organizations, whether it's the Senate Ethics Committee or the Department of Justice, what have you, have investigated these trumped-up political allegations and dismissed them um, as lacking all basis, in fact – David Perdue and Kelly Leffler were found to have done nothing wrong. The reason John Ossoff, a trust fund socialist and radical liberal Raphael Warnock, are attacking David and Kelly on these grounds is because they don't have anything else to say, and they're trying to deflect attention away from their own radical views, like John Ossoff welcoming Bernie Sanders' support and wanting to uh, impose Medicare for all in Georgia and take away their insurance on the job, or Raphael Warnock calling Israel an apartheid state. These are the kind of radical views that John Ossoff and Uh, Raphael Warnock have that they're trying to deflect attention away by accusing David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler frivolously of misconduct. They also want to deflect attention away from the fact that Chuck Schumer's position on these races is that Georgia is his for the taking, and once he does, he's going to change America. I bet most people in Georgia don't want Chuck Schumer's flavor of change.
2: I imagine that. I don't think he would get nine votes. Uh, Here's Lindsey Graham. He's concerned about the whole Georgia structure with his absentee ballots. And the fact is, they were not really cross-checked to see if anybody was dead or still living there in many cases. And they had an opportunity to do so, but they didn't on the Republican side. They weren't organized enough. Here's what Lindsey Graham said last night, cut 25.
3: But the bottom line is, the governor of Georgia could call a legislative session into being tomorrow— to go ahead and audit the signatures so we'd have confidence in the presidential outcome. Maybe it worked, I don't know without an audit. And change the law while you still can. It's in, I just can't get over, I love Georgia, I'm a neighbor to Georgia, my family came from Georgia, we're not asking you to do anything wrong, we're asking you to call for an audit of signatures that are definitely in question and change your laws before it's too late in the Senate runoff that will determine the quality of life in America. Please act while you can.
2: Because of the new absentee uh, voters making people eligible because of the pandemic that we're in, They're not going to call a session. So how are you going to handle that, Senator? Have you got that deep?
13: Yeah, Brian, so let me say first a few things. If you're in Georgia um, and you want to vote for Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, you should have confidence you can contact their campaigns; They'll help you get an absentee ballot if you're worried about getting this virus. If you don't want to vote by absentee ballot, you should go early vote starting Monday, December 14th, or vote on Election Day, January 5th. Uh, Now, second, how do you know those votes are going to count? Um, I, I think Lindsey is on to something there. Georgia needs to take more steps to ensure some of the irregularities we have seen in the last election don't happen on January 5th. But I can assure all your listeners, especially those Georgia voters, that the left wing and the Purdue campaigns and uh, the RNC and the Republican Senate committee is taking every step that they can to ensure that every procedure is followed in every single precinct. Have a lot more manpower, a lot more resources concentrated on one state than it was when it was diffused across 15 or 20 competitive states on November 3rd. Now, third, if you want to do your part to help out, first off, make sure that those campaigns have the resources they need. Go to georgiabattleground.com, gabattleground.com to pitch in a few bucks to help Kelly and David make sure that uh, every legal vote counts and no illegal votes counts. And if you really want to help, If you really want to help, you can go down to Georgia and you can pitch in for a few days. Uh, These campaigns and these committees are taking great steps to make sure that we get out the vote between now and January 5th and that we protect that vote. So if you want Christmas in Georgia, sounds kind of like the title of a Hallmark movie. talk, Talk to their campaigns. Go down to Georgia. Enjoy uh, the Pete State at Christmas time and New Year's, and help them get elected on January fifth.
2: So right now, the stats read: uh, Ossoff has raised twenty-eight million, Purdue just fifteen million. He beat him by 80, eighty-eight thousand on November third. We'll see if that holds up with all the attention and all the money. Now fundraising on the other side: it, Warnock's got twenty-seven, uh, Leffler's got twenty-eight, and of course, she could sell finance. Richest person in Congress. So uh, total spend: Warnock spent sixteen, Leffler spent uh, twenty-two. Looking down the looking down. Uh, looking down the line, what could you learn? I don't know how pervasive you know Georgia because you have your hands full in Arkansas. But looking down the line, what did the president not get that other presidential candidates did get that Leffler and Purdue should be focused on?
13: Well, Brian, I spent a lot of time in my life in Georgia. I will say my campaign stops there this year have been a little more uh, enjoyable and pleasant than my stay in the woods outside Fort Benning 15 years ago. <laughs>
4: um
13: Dave and Kelly do need your help. That's why I urge everyone to go to uh, georgiabattleground.com, com to help close that financial gap. Uh, what you saw in Election Day is that the president in Georgia, as in so many states, had massive, massive turnout um, in the rural and the exurban areas of Georgia, something that no other president, uh, no other Republican president or nominee has ever generated. I mean, President Trump got 11 million more votes across the country than he did in 2016. Uh, as all of our candidates did, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler benefited from that massive turnout in the rural and the exurban areas. Uh, so it's really vital that all of those first-time voters who came out and voted on November 3rd for Donald Trump and David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler do it one more time. That was the exact message the president delivered on Saturday night in Valdosta, Georgia, at his rally, that every person who came out to vote for him needs to come out and vote to stop Chuck Schumer from tanking over the United States Senate. That's why at that rally they had tables. Signing people up to register to vote and to request absentee ballots if they wanted. The president is all in on these Georgia runoff elections for his strong allies and good friends, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler.
2: So uh, here's what uh, Joe Biden is about to do. He's about to nominate for a retired four-star General Lloyd Austin, which has been brought up by our people. Anyone who gets to this point uh, in their career, African American. Uh, heard great things. But upon further review, people have brought up this article in The New Yorker in 2016 about where Barack Obama came up with a statement that there is ISIS, there is no ISIS threat and they're just the JV team. And here's what they said. Early in 2014, Obama's intelligence advisors told him that ISIS was of marginal importance. Uh, General Lloyd Austin, then the commander of Central Command, which oversees U.S. military operations in the Middle East, told the White House the Islamic State was a flash in the pan. The analysis led Obama to an interview with The New Yorker to describe the constellation of jihadist groups in Iraq and Syria Syria as terrorism's JV team. Does that bother you? Uh, is that typical of a general in the field? Should there was, is that a does that make you change your uh, make you feel as though you can't vote for him?
13: Well, so Brian, those are the kind of uh, reports I would want to scrutinize and explore. Um, should he come before the Senate? Um, I don't want to necessarily credit them based on anonymous reporting, but there is a prior question, and I I think that question is very important, and that's whether or not the Congress will grant him the needed waiver under federal law since he has not been retired for more than seven years. We went through this four years ago, if you recall. Uh, There's a reason why federal law prohibits retired generals from serving as a secretary of defense with fewer than seven years out from the Pentagon. It's to maintain proper balance in civil-military relations. And Congress just barely granted Jim Mattis that waiver in 2017, I can tell you, that many representatives and senators from the far left to the most conservative Republicans believe that was a mistake and that it ought not not be repeated. And in fact, Jack Reed, the senior Democrat on the Armed Services Committee, said at the time that he would not vote for another waiver for another general under any circumstances. Um, so I think that's a very important question that Congress is going to have to explore before we can get to the merits right. of General Austin's nomination. I respect General Austin and his service to the nation over 40 years. That prior question is not a reflection on him or his views or his record in any way. It's what the Congress thinks about the proper balance of civil-military relations inside the Pentagon.
2: So uh, the Axios today details this extensive spying operation that the Chinese are undergoing in the U.S. for decades, uh, trying to target young up-and-coming politicians – sorry, you didn't hit, make the list uh, – and trying to infiltrate their campaign like Eric Swalwell uh, and others in the area and even uh, named some people. Were you aware of this type of sophisticated operation?
13: Brian, I don't want to comment about particular intelligence matters. Um, I will say that California Democrats seem to have a problem with Chinese spying. First, it was Dianne Feinstein having a Chinese agent as her driver Announced Eric Swalwell. Yeah, I'm
2: sure we didn't pay a price there. She's yeah. a ranking member of the um, Intelligence Committee.
13: So, so, so California Democrats may want to think— Uh, twice uh, about some of their security protocols. I will simply say this every member of Congress has been targeted by Chinese intelligence in one way or another. I suspect that most people in Beijing don't think they're going to get very far with me, but that does not mean that Chinese intelligence isn't targeting every member of Congress, and for that matter, every governor and cabinet officials and future cabinet officials for influence operations. Sometimes those those things can be very nefarious. Sometimes they're just as simple as dangling job prospects for one state uh, in front of politicians or getting American businesses to come lobby Senators and representatives for China friendly relations or policies. Um, Every elected official in America should be alert to the risk of Chinese meddling.
2: Well, this guy, this woman, Fang, who came here in her 20s, uh, she evidently helped fundraise for Tulsi Gabbard as well as Ro Kahana. And uh, Congresswoman uh, Judy Chu of all of California and Congressman Mike Honda, all of all of California. It's a pretty I mean, they're obsessed with us. They're obsessed of stealing our technology. And somehow they believe that if you offer us enough money, we'll roll over.
13: Well, unfortunately, Brian, that has actually been the case uh, for a lot of American businesses and sectors of our economy. Um, you know, they essentially view um, you know corporate America as an extension of their own embassy or intelligence services to come lobby the Congress and lobby the administration and lobby governors uh, for uh, pro-China policies and for too often – um, you know, politicians in both parties succumb to that. You know, they help, they succumb to the specter of Chinese investment in their states, or the promise of more Chinese jobs, or more jobs that China funds in their states that almost never comes to pass. And in the end, as you say, they usually steal technology and take it mm-hmm. back to China. I mean, I just heard a story this week of a small business in the food process or small business in the food processing sector. Um, that agreed to open a facility in China and now is getting continually squeezed by them, uh, trying to turn over their technology, cut their profit margins, so on and so forth. Uh, you should be very leery about going into business with China.
3: I will be. I
2: promise not to. And I'm sure you took it, you took a vow of poverty as well. So we're willing to make it with the American uh, with American manufacturing and keeping our principles together. Senator Tom Cotton, you have two senators to elect. Like you have nothing else to do, get it done.
1: All right, thank you, Brian.
2: All right, go get him. 408-7669.
1: Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the
11: Brian Kilmeade show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the High Court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking.
1: You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well,
6: it was just really interesting to see how immediately after the election, this new PR messaging came out. A time for unity, a time for healing, they said. And the idea was that after four years, five years of what they put Trump and his supporters through, everybody would just immediately submit and decide to let bygones be bygones. There really could be unity, as you point out. There, there are things that could be done.
2: But it's not going to happen. There's no apology coming this way. And you have to wonder if the president of the United States gets no – doesn't, I guess, gain any ground in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Georgia, Wisconsin, if he even goes to the inauguration, which I think will further fracture the country. But I understand his bitterness. This really might have come down to, in all retrospect, uh, mail-in voting. But I could really see the path for the president. I mean, first off, win these two Senate races. Next off, help get back the House. And then you loom in 2022 to 2024 as the guy that's going to go be the next president of the United States against Kamala Harris, who is not a strong candidate and never will be. Joe in Indiana. Hey, Joe.
7: Hey, hey Brian. Yeah, um, I was just thinking, you know, if the gun owners in this country don't stand up to this confiscation and possible tax on our weapons— The movie, Red
14: Dawn, may become actual uh, – yeah,
2: I hope not. Uh, I know one thing. It seems to be at the highest level. They're trying to hold back the ammo make it hard for you to actually get ammunition for your gun since they can't uh, get your uh, guns of uh, Beto O'Rourke style. Chris, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. How are you,
8: my friend? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, so listen. I got a a question in regards to these mail-in ballots in, in different places see there's two things about
15: being an American citizen that's great, right It's our fundamental right to vote, but it's also a choice right we get to We get to choose to go vote
8: and do you think that we're doing anything as far as legislation uh, in Congress to uh, protect my choice? I mean sending out ballots to people who don't ask oh, yeah. for, or make it, making an
15: attempt to vote seems to me like it infringes on my right to even vote it It, it diminishes it
2: Chris, it should and both sides should agree it's not right. It's not accurate. I mean, people move every two years. These ballots are showing up, multiple in boxes. You heard the Georgia Secretary of State. He said, my son passed away two years ago. I got two ballots in his name. I mean, right there, that is a, that is a flashing red light. It doesn't work. In New Jersey, and Nevada, nine separate states, they never even uh, requested anything. They just mailed it out. And what's the one thing they have in common, Chris? They all have Republican governors, excuse me, Democratic governors. Because people want an accurate vote. Nobody wants to suppress anybody's vote. I'm not saying they ever did. But we just want to make sure that vote's right. And I w- thought both sides could agree on that. It's got to be like a binding blue ribbon panel. That they come up to conclusions like they did in 2000 uh, with Jimmy Carter and Jim Baker. And they adhere to it. And they have to. Brian me.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network,
12: I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast.
11: Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio
1: studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We have a lot to discuss, including that comedy show that we missed, might have missed yesterday. Uh, Anthony, It's the middle of the day, and I know you're busy. Anthony Fauci and that Governor Cuomo, those two uh, celebrities, one's won an Emmy Award and one is trying to be uh, People Magazine's sexiest man of the year. He's on the cover talking about Anthony Fauci and Governor Cuomo. Uh, yesterday they sat down and... Uh, He was the special guest on the PowerPoint where Governor Cuomo sits around and tells everyone how we're not worthy of them and uh, we're not worthy of him. And he tells us that any time there's a spike in the virus, it's all about us and our behavior, as opposed to the German spike and the spike in Belgium and the spike in Israel. Okay, the spike in 170 other countries, as well as uh, 49 of 50 states but it's us. And it's our behavior. Of course, uh, they've given us nothing but accurate information. So we have Michael Goodwin standing by, Roger Stahlback at the bottom of the hour, and we'll do a simulcast on Varney & Company. Big agenda, so let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What really breaks my heart is that um, I don't know of any
3: data that says you need to shut down outdoor dining or outdoor bars. Uh, We really wanted to limit the indoor crowded places. So um, I think we need to do what's necessary to turn the pandemic, but not more.
2: Uh, That is uh, Brett Juar. He's an admiral. The death of small business in America and the roles of the incompetent power, mad governors and mayors in doing so. The real life consequences of the haphazard, ill thought out closures and shutdowns and how they are finally standing up, those small business men and women and sounding off. We'll discuss it.
4: Number two, the legal team. Uh, reached out and asked if I would be willing to, to present the oral argument if the court took the case, and I told them I'd be happy to, uh, because particularly at a time when this country is so divided, when, when people are so angry, I think we need a sense of resolution.
2: President's recount, his best hope, possibly Pennsylvania, how Ted Cruz has volunteered to carry the case if the Trump team can get him to the Supreme Court.
6: Number
1: one. It is the shot seen around the world. First on the globe to receive it, 90-year-old grandmother Maggie Keenan made history.
6: I say go for it. Go for it because it's it's free and it's the best thing that's ever happened. So do, please go for it. That's all I say.
2: And there we go. Vaccine Summit today and the first Pfizer recipient receives the shot in the UK. It's official. Uh, help is on the way. What does it mean for us as we prepare to take it? Will you take it? If not, what would it take to convince you? Uh, And by the way, that's really where we start. That was a 90 year old in the U.K. who took it. And they are getting the Pfizer vaccine a week ahead of us because the FDA is just taking their time. They said they're just uh, they're making sure this thorough. But I don't think they started looking at it. I don't think it's thorough. I think it's called bureaucracy. Michael Goodwin joins us now from The New York Post. Hey, Michael.
8: Good morning, Brian. So uh, first off, does it bother you the U.K. is getting this first? Uh, It it does underscore, I think, the bureaucracy, as you say, uh, in the FDA. And look, it's almost as though if the FDA had its way, we still wouldn't even be talking about a vaccine being imminent. Uh, I mean, this is this is what bureaucracies do. They take a good idea, which is safety, and then they pursue it to the infinite degree. And so any any possible possible concern, no matter how small is examined without regard to the possible benefits on the other end. And so it, it is It is a, an idea, a safety precaution run amok. And so I think that is very much what we're seeing with uh, the shutdowns as well. It's the same idea that uh, if, there's, if there's a spike in cases, we must batten down all the hatches, all the hatches. Well, maybe not this one, maybe not that one. Maybe my friends can still have their party or their protest or something like that. But when you give people this power uh, to shut things down, to slow things down, you know, someone once said to me about bureaucracies, a lot of people have the power to say no. And that's what bureaucracies do. They, They create all these checkpoints. And any one checkpoint can stop the mm-hmm. whole thing. And now we have these governors and mayors using using statistics in ways that it seems they were never u- designed to be used, that if you have an infection rate of, in New York City, it was more than 3% of positive tests uh, for a week, then you can shut down the schools. But the schools' own testing showed an, uh, a positive rate of less – far less than half of 1%. So suddenly the city decides, okay, well, we, won't, we won't use the 3% anymore. Actually, it was the union that said to the city, okay, we let you off the hook now. You made disagreement on 3%. We won't enforce it anymore. So you have these changing metrics all the time, which, were, which as you said, feel haphazard. They feel idiosyncratic. They feel like they're based on the moods of the governors or, 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 the, or the mayors. And you begin to feel after a while that you were all being whips, Sold around yeah, by people who are fa- fallible but who don't want to admit it
2: number of restaurants have closed uh, 110,000 so far according to the National Restaurant Association 10,000 restaurants will close in three months because of this free fall we're in right now 500,000 are at risk And 100,000 are closed already. And having said that, the people are finally standing up and speaking out and saying, show me the science. Show me the data that you've been telling us to look at, that you had, that says, keep the indoor mall open, keep the outdoor mall open, market open, but close down my restaurant, close down my hardware store. I want to see the science. They will not answer. But the arrogance is 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 really unnerving like for example his arrogance in governor listen to Andrew Cuomo yesterday cut 13
14: Uh, as the facts change your strategy should change I don't have a problem with that but they offered additional guidance on indoor dining five days if the hospitalization rate doesn't uh, stabilize in New York City we're going to close indoor dining.
2: Okay, I have an idea for you. Number one, prove that indoor dining's a problem. Number two, if you had you had about a year to increase capacity, increase medical workers, increase the get that ship back over in California or New York. Instead, we're just going to shut down businesses perhaps forever. So Fauci is the guest of Andrew Cuomo. He's the guy that does five interviews a day. I don't know when he gets any work done. On the cover of People magazine, Andrew Cuomo Gets an Emmy for being number one in deaths. And listen to what he says yesterday. He thinks this is funny. Cut 14.
14: Put us together. We're like the uh, modern day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be which ever, whichever you want. You can be the De Niro <laughs> or Pacino, <laughs> Fauci and Pacino. Cuomo. I'll give you a boy. Who, who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want I to be? I love them both. <laughs> I love
11: them both. I
14: don't want to insult <laughs> one or the other. If I say one, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the other. <laughs> yeah. So-
2: it's great to have a good time, isn't it?
8: Yeah, and and it's like the rest of us are supposed to be impressed. Uh I I mean if I don't know where to begin with, with either one of those guys. I mean, Andrew Cuomo, I think this power has just gone to his head. He, he somehow thinks now he's a movie star. He's obsessed with celebrities all of a sudden. And Fauci, I, I, something has happened to him. He, he's he been a lifelong, serious uh, uh, medical uh, health profession professional in, in the federal government, and now suddenly he's got a star turn, and he's enjoying the limelight a little too much. Uh, this, this is silly stuff and i i don't get the joke somehow i'm it, it's missing i'm i'm missing the significance of their preening for the cameras as though they're going to people are going to play them in a movie what movie who cares
2: uh, absolutely. But he wrote a book about how great he handled the pandemic. Meanwhile, he's number one in deaths and we're back with another surge and he doesn't care. It's so bizarre. He thinks he has all the answers. And if, if the numbers go up, it is all our fault. Meanwhile, in Staten Island, you've been seeing what's happening over the last 10 days. This one restaurant bar is refusing to close. It is Max Public House. Lou Giral- Giralomino was with me this morning, but this is a cut from him just going to bat almost for free for Danny Presti, who said, why should a bar restaurant be open two blocks from me and me be closed? If he's closed for one month, he is done. Listen to his attorney, Cut 20.
16: If you can go a block and a half and get a cheeseburger, which you can. Okay, if anybody can show me signs that the COVID virus stops at the railroad tracks, we'd be more than happy to shut down. Until then, we'd like the same... We'd like, the
11: same,
16: we'd like the same we'd like the same consideration given to the other half of staten island and being able to
8: serve out cheeseburgers and our beer here you understand his frustration Yes, absolutely. Look, Brian, this was happening uh, all along in the beginning of, of the city because, you know, people are mobile, whether it was the transit system, their cars, whatever, people move. And so when you say that one area is more infected than another, it could be where people are coming from, not that they live there. So again, he's right. Where's the science on this? We've been lectured and tried to be shamed into following the science. I mean Biden has endorsed Fauci. I mean Fauci has become the Democrats' favorite go to guy now because he was arguing with President Trump, of course. Yep. But where's the science? I mean he was he changed his view on things. But there's this kind of absoluteness now that's taken hold with these democratic mayors and governors. And there is a the resistance is clearly growing. We see it in California. We see it in New York. People are tired of it. I mean it doesn't these surges came despite all of the shutdowns. So the answer then is more shutdowns? I mean, the shutdowns don't seem to be very effective at stopping these surges. Thank you. So why of do course. they keep banging the same drum?
2: So what I don't like, you know, I'm all for it. I know Senate Live is a comedy show. you got to be willing to laugh at yourself. I get it. But in the middle of standing up for your livelihood, to be mocked on SNL and not go the other way and talk about the ego that ran wild, or Fauci that never says anything of substance but pretends to. You never see the comedy on the other side. You only see it on Staten Island side. And guess what? It didn't elude those still fighting to get Max open. Listen. Pete Davidson, by I the s- way, in SNL, is from Staten Island. His dad died in 9-11 as a firefighter. Let's listen.
10: I saw uh, the protest. People were outside the bar shouting about freedom. Taunting the cops, chanting that they should arrest the governor. But it's Staten Island, so I assume that it was just like a typical last call. And are you against these protests? I mean, kind of, but I'm also just happy I'm no longer the first thing people think of when they say what's the worst thing about Staten Island. What exactly were they protesting? Well, the bar, uh, shockingly, is in a neighborhood with the second highest COVID infections in all of New York. So the rule is that they're supposed to let people eat or drink outside. And the owner said no one wants to do that because they'll go out of business. But the argument that people in Staten Island don't want to drink outside can be disproven by going to literally any Little League game. So listen to what
2: the lawyer had to say in response.
16: I know Pete Davidson's mother, and I knew his father. They're great people. So I'm not going to disrespect them by disparaging Pete, but I will say this. There were 2,000 Americans there that came from all over the tri-state area to attend that rally. They protested peacefully, without rioting, Without looting. There were over 200 of them that actually cleaned up the street. So I'll say this to Pete Davidson and the rest of the members of the Saturday Night Live crew. Maybe they can give up part of their big paychecks they receive to small business owners throughout the country who can't put food on their families' tables. These are great Americans, good, hard hardworking Americans they're
8: mocking, and it's disgraceful.
2: Well said, I think, right?
8: Well, yes, and and you know, also Brian, Saturday Night Live has used a trick uh by paying the audience members to come so that somehow that, that allows them to evade the uh the shutdown orders. So, again, Saturday Night Live to sit there mocking people who are protesting uh, bars and rest, uh, restaurants being forced to close while they are somehow allowed to stay open. I mean, don't forget, Governor Cuomo made all kinds of uh, exemptions for travel, for all of the entertainment shows and things like that. So it's the same old stuff where the, the, the rich get richer, the, the elites looking down on people uh, who are protesting. The loss of their livelihood, the loss of their of their community, uh, you know. St- Strong suits. I mean, small businesses are the lifeblood of a community, and they are the lifeblood of the people who own them and work there. And for the elites to have no sense of sympathy, no sense of even uh, solidarity, no sense of understanding that what these people are fighting for, and just to mock them as as some kind of idiots because they are not standing in line and saluting the governor. Well, because the elites have their own ways around it. You know, Brian testing. I would love to see uh, the answer to the question of how often is Governor Cuomo tested? How often are the people around him tested? How often are the Governor Governor Newsom and the people around him tested? Because I think you're going to find that our government authorities have a much better sense of their own safety and are, you know, testing is hard to come by now for most people because there are long lines. Well, is that true for our government? Or are they or Are they treated as though somehow they're more Special of course, than the rest of us.
2: and listen. Everyone knows you got to have a sense of humor about yourself. And SNL takes no prisoners unless you're a Democrat, unless you're an ego out of control like the governor of New York. You're going to tell me there's no comedy there, and there's no comedy in the fact that Governor Newsom is at a San Francisco restaurant. There's no comedy in the fact that the mayor's at the same restaurant. There's no comedy in the fact that you have a governor of Colorado, the mayor of Colorado, going to visit his his parents while telling people on Thanksgiving you better not travel, and or, or the mayor of Austin going to. Cabo, excuse me, I'm all for laughing at yourself. But there's a little bit of comedy there, maybe to balance it out. But, I, you know, it's easier to mock people in Staten Island, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. really think it's funny uh, when I see people work 70 hours a week to make a modest living and they're being told they can't. Uh, Michael, thanks so much.
8: Always a pleasure, Brian. Thank you.
2: Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. Back with you in a moment.
11: You're with Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy,
1: he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're still looking at with the president still fighting in many, uh, multiple fronts yesterday, uh, making it clear he's not willing to give up. Meanwhile, we'll go giving uh, Dan Gable, the legendary wrestler, his Medal of Freedom Honor. He said this, cut 21.
9: Well, I think the uh, case has already been made if you look at the polls. Uh, it was a rigged election. Uh, you look at the different states, the election was totally rigged. Uh, It's a disgrace to our country. It's like a third-world country, these ballots pouring in from everywhere, using machinery that nobody knows ownership, nobody knows anything about. They have uh, glitches, as they call them, glitches. The glitches who aren't glitches.
2: He's upset still, obviously. He will be at the Army-Navy game today uh, over the weekend. Dan in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Dan.
17: Yeah, I want to make two things first and then get to the virus. Uh, I'm a history buff. Look up good. From start to finish, he had a great story. And Barr, he had told that Christopher Ray was um, part of the problem a month ago. He was part of the deep state. That's That's why he doesn't bring anything up. As far as the virus, here in Portland, we've had herd immunity for 16 months since it was November. We didn't even have six feet apart until March. And the virus, the shots and all those... They never tested to see if you get the virus again. But as far as the flu, everybody dies from the flu, but we don't mandatory shots or anything. And the one for the virus is usually mainly the old and the elderly. And we just passed 900 in all of Oregon the other day, and that's uh, it.
2: Got it, Dan. Uh, we'll see. Uh, will you take this shot? That's a question. And what would it take to convince you if the answer is no? one 7669. We're going to talk to Roger Staubach next about uh, the Army-Navy game and so much more.
11: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: To Smith, breaking five, throws to Logan Thomas, wide open, touchdown. (laughs) Touchdown, Down Washington to the right, Smith steps back, throws down the right sideline, catches one-handed catch, gets up and and there's a couple more yards down to the Pittsburgh 23. What a play by Sims! Washington takes the lead in Pittsburgh, but 17, Roethlisberger, throws out the right, the ones, tipped up in the air, and intercepted, intercepted by John Bostic at the 25, Washington takes over with a three-point lead.
2: And there it goes, Washington stunned the world by beating the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers into their quest to have a perfect season, making the Miami Dolphins the only team to finish the year undefeated, pretty happy, especially their outstanding running back, now retired, Larry Zonka. Cut 39.
16: Tonight, I'm a Washington fan.
2: Must not have been easy for that Dolphin to say. After all, uh, Washington, uh, uh, the Washington, uh, the Dolphins would beat Washington 14-7. Uh, in the Super Bowl that year. Joining us now, a man who's no stranger to Super Bowls. He's gotten them in the past, along with a Heisman Trophy. Uh, I'm not sure how much he watches, but as great as he was in football, he's even more impressive as a business person. Roger Staubach, pumped up not just about last night, but about the Army-Navy game happening this weekend, which the president will will attend and sponsored by the USAA. Roger, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show.
10: Hi,
15: Brian.
2: Good morning. Hey, by any chance, did you watch last night? Uh, which game? I guess not. Uh, Washington beats Pittsburgh, ending their oh, undefeated no, no, yeah. season.
7: There there, well, there was two. Well, see, last night was
15: there was there two on last night. There yeah, was. I watched, I watched. I was. Yeah, I was, I was watching. Of course, I. You know, I. You know, the Steelers kind of uh, gave us a little trouble in the 70s. So <laughs> I was pulling. You know, really, uh, i uh really. I'm thinking. I told my wife. I said, you know, I'm pulling for the Steelers to win this game. You know. And she said, Why? And I said, Because, you know, Dallas is in the division with Washington, New York, and Philadelphia. We all got bad records. And daggone if the Redskins are on a roll. I mean, they, uh, and the Giants beat Seattle yesterday, too. So it, uh, or uh, Sunday, whenever it when, was. I'm losing these days when you got, when there's a virus. Uh, but uh, yeah, that the, the Steelers were, uh, I mean, I, you know, again Dallas is still fighting tonight they they're fighting st- 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 they still have a chance but it would've been nicer if Pittsburgh would have beat uh Washington and and um, and the uh, Giants would if Seattle would have beaten the Giants
2: not to me uh I'm a Giant fan Roger I'm uh, and you you go in New York so not everybody's a Cowboy <laughs> fan as hard as it for you to believe
15: yeah.
7: uh I, I've heard that before I've, I've,
15: I've <laughs> Usually, if I'm if I'm actually with you, I probably wouldn't be, uh, but on on a on a on a on a cell phone or something, you you know, you uh, you can't hit me or anything. So, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm um, I'm little. I was, you're still at the top of your game. I just caught up you at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, the yeah. Army it's just unbelievable looking back. Uh, number one, Alex Smith, the story. You as an, a quarterback who had to deal with some injuries, played ten years, really was ended by concussions. You got off to a late start because you went to Vietnam. Uh, served in the military, did your service after uh, playing at uh, Annapolis. But, uh, Roger, in particular, this Alex Smith story is something even non-sports fans can get around. I mean, he had the injury that Joe Theismann had, almost the same broken leg. He had an infection, almost lost his life and his leg. And now he's back starring, bringing back the Redskin season?
15: Yeah, he's been he's been out almost like a – has it been a full two years? Or yes. it been a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's well, it's incredible what they can do today too, uh, you know, with uh, with all the the good things they can do if you're hurt. And uh, yeah, that you know, I, I think most people said he'd he'd never come back and play again. And sure enough, he's he's <laughs> he's back in action. And we you know we lost our quarterback uh, Dak uh, Prescott, and he uh, dislocated his ankle and then fractured it also. Wow. And uh, the reports are awfully good that he's uh, he's going to be back healthy next year. And and uh, back in the old days, that that would have kept you out a lot longer. Maybe it would have ruined your career.
2: I mean, I think about Joe Namath too, another person who is uh, in yeah. your era, yeah. and how his knees were such a mess. If they had the technology that they have today, you know, he probably would have. Uh, he would have been a different quarterback, as good as he was, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He would have been a different quarterback.
15: Yeah. Yeah and uh remember in 1971 when I uh we won the Super Bowl and then in 72 in the exhibition season uh my shoulder pads were they should have been bigger because I ran but I tried to run over Marlon McKeever, and uh I separated my right shoulder and uh this Dr. Knight uh operated the next day and I'll tell you thank God he it Whatever it is, I can still I can still throw today. <laughs> so with my right arm, and so he he got me back playing again. And back then, uh, they they did some different things on your shoulders that, that, that he did. And mm-hmm. and because uh, the separation, I might have been out forever. I mean, so yeah, today it's even better as far as the, what what they've learned and what they can do for you to get you back back in action again.
2: So, Rod, you had such a unique career in that you had so much success when you were done. You ended in 10 years, but it got off to a late start because you win the Heisman and go serve in the military. And then you had to, when you're done, even the, the most successful player well, still had to go get a job sometimes in the off season, and certainly after you're done, unless you're Terry Bradshaw and became a broadcaster or someone like that, who told me he only made 200000 Here he wins four Super Bowls. He said, I was making 200000 I was like one of the highest paid. So things have certainly changed. But you serving yeah. in the military after football, what did that do for you as a person?
15: Well, it it, it really uh, it it helped a lot. I I, I worked in the off season because we had three children born in the Navy, and so when I joined the Cowboys, we, you know, we had a I was a rookie with a big family, and and we we really didn't have anything uh, financially. I mean, our parents were uh, limited and. And so uh, I, I really I I worked in the off season. I, I went out to the practice field every afternoon. So I want to iterate the the I I did stay in shape and, and work out in the off season. But I did go. I worked for the Henry Miller Company in in real estate, and it was the beginning of um, of, of of deciding I wanted to be like Mr. Miller and 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 build my own real estate firm. So I, I worked with them in the, just in the off season, like five months and got good relationships with people. So I, you know, if I was working on something, I could forward it to them when I, when the season started. And then when I retired, I uh, started to build, uh, my real estate firm and we built a very good sized real estate firm and, uh, for over 30 some years. And then we sold it to JLL 10 years ago. Uh, JLL is a big firm. They're, uh, and they, the Starbucks company really is very, in, very important JLL in the U.S. So it's, it's so so I, I'm really proud of that as far as the the what what took place uh, right, yeah, uh, in 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 how the Starbucks company has been very important to JLL.
2: It has, and wherever you go, no one gives you anything; you earn it. No one said you're going to be a quarterback. No one says you're going to win the Heisman. No one says you're going to make uh, be a multimillionaire with a business you earned it, and I guess that gives you a, a certain self-assurance in life that you know you can work and achieve something. Your, your speed and arm well, strength yeah, didn't yeah. get you the, didn't get you success in business.
15: Yeah, you earn it, but there's there's people that really make a difference in your life, and we all we all do have to recognize that. And you know, I, Mr. Miller was my man. That gotcha. <laughs> that, that, Believed in me and, and real estate, and, and I, you know, I happened to get on a pretty darn good football team with uh, Coach Landry, and and then had a lot of good teammates. And then, you know, building the company, it's, you have the right people in the right places, but you know that you got to get them working together. And so, right. there's a lot of things I learned in sports that that helped me in, in business as far as uh, teamwork and and getting people to understand that we had clients and how important our clients were and it's not it's not all right. about you it's all about them and so so i preached that uh uh you know, and, and learned a lot from uh, the Naval Academy and sports to, that helped me in uh, real estate also. So let's
0: talk about
2: this weekend. The president's going to be there. It's called America's Game, Army Against Navy. USAA sponsors it, and it's going to be for the first time since 1943 at West Point. I imagine the crowd's going to be quite limited. A lot of this game has to do with the festivities. How's it going to be different this year for you? What should people know at home?
15: Well, it's going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting to just, uh, to be able to see the brigade and the the cadets and in, 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 in be focused on them, uh, but it, you know it's still disheartening that you know, it, it, you know people aren't in the stands. I mean, watching games today, it's weird, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's yeah, it's really strange and and but you, you know, I guess it's 1943 is the last time they ever played at West Point, so it's uh, it's both teams though I think. Are going to continue to be recognized that they have men and women that are that are going to those schools that are going to be important to us and protecting us and in and, in and, and in the years to come as far as what what their responsibilities will be and so I think a lot of people just like to watch the Army Navy game and uh, and so you know having it up in West Point it'll, it'll be interesting and and there's a reason behind all that in this crazy world we're in right now so. Uh, yeah, I you know I worry all, all the time about you know, people that are you know that are doing gotcha. doing a job to everybody else and the, the, the daggone virus right you know, it, it's not dead yet <laughs> so it's, I know. Uh, Anyway, it's, it's it's a crazy time, and you know we we you know we worry about it just like every other family. We got we got a big family, so. Uh.
2: Roger, th- thanks so much. We're going to watch the game. Uh, you'll be there. The USAA spot, the presenting sponsor, Army Navy game this Saturday. The president will be there at West Point. Roger Storbeck, thanks so much. Back in a moment.
1: This is the Brian Kilmeade Show new from the fox news
11: podcasts network my
4: name is kennedy and welcome to my podcast which will i humbly say single-handedly save the world
11: you're welcome it's kennedy saves the world subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: now the brian kilmeade show joins fox Business's varney and company with Stuart varney live on your radio and on fox business here's brian
18: kilmeade
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody! In a matter of moments, we're going to be going on Varney and Company. Winners. We usually
18: do a simulcast I'm going to start, we'll start with New York, York Governor so Cuomo making this comparison. Brian, I know you've seen it, but watch it again. Roll tape.
14: We're like the uh, modern day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be whichever whichever you want. You can be the De Niro or Pacino. <laughs>
19: <laughs> Fauci and Pacino.
14: Cuomo. I'll give you a front. boy. who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want I to, love to love be? Him.
18: I got it. Joking around, movie stars, I got that. But just a couple of seconds later, the governor is threatening to shut down indoor dining in New York City all over again. What do you make of this governor and our mayor?
2: And don't forget either, Stuart Varney, that... He also told the Staten Island uh, bar owner, called him a coward.
18: Yes. Uh, We know
2: all those threats that he keeps making. And he sits back and says, if these numbers go up anymore, we're going to shut down indoor dining. Okay, can we mention the 25,000 businesses and the thousands of people that are going to go out of business because of your little proclamations? You sit back and say, hey, uh, New York, you're not good enough for me. That's essentially it. And Anthony Fauci seems like a wonderful guy. I wish him a happy birthday in a couple of weeks. Uh, I never know anything that I actually learned from him except for he does his decrees by interview. If you ask him the right question, you make some news. If not, you don't. He goes everything from Steph Curry's podcast to Kardashian Zoom call. I don't understand why he's on the cover of People magazine. If he should be on a lab coat and a beaker going over data on a daily basis, putting out press releases, not on the cover of People magazine. And I just don't understand. Get on the same page with Admiral Juror. If you don't like President Trump and you prefer president, uh, uh, Vice President Biden if he becomes president, that's up to you. But Admiral Juror is in charge of the task force that just earlier that day said, I have no problem with outdoor dining and kids going in schools from K through 12. When is he going to say that? He says, yeah. well, I have a little problem with outdoor dining. Really? Maybe you two can work it out. Because right now, people, middle class, those horrible middle class and lower class people, are running out of time. We're running yes. out of patience. We're running out of business. We're running yes. out of money. Yes. And he's out there pretending to be De Niro and Pacino. And we had no problem not kidding around when he was on our shows. But when he's on with uh, Governor Cuomo, who blew off 17 meetings with the task force led by the vice president, this guy who politicized the vaccine to the point where he says, I wouldn't take it, come from the White House. I'll have my own people check it out. Well, there's a lot of people, believe it or not, outside his brother that look up to him that will go, hey, if Governor Cuomo's not going to take it, I'm not going to take it. Maybe that's the reason why only 50 percent, 58 percent of the country are willing to try these new vaccines.
18: Oh, terrible. But I want to talk to you about... um, the, 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 uh, the uh, Max Public House co-owner, Dan Presti, you had his attorney, Luis Delano, on this morning. Uh, I think this is very important because, as you said earlier, Governor Cuomo called Daniel Presti a coward because he, what, what run away from three men in dark clothing chasing him down the street at night to arrest him. What's going on here?
2: Well, all I can tell you is we don't know the details. We could tell you what the surveillance video showed. It showed yeah. a, a guy, the unmarked sheriffs, whether they showed a badge or not. I'm going to go with what he said and the lawyer said. I want to hear from the sheriffs. Let's see what they say. But why are you running him down? Is he really that much threat to humanity? This is the guy that two days prior, when you came in to arrest him, he put his hands out like this. So it senses, my sense is he's not afraid to get arrested because he got arrested and then reopened. He's trying to make a statement that if I close down one more time, I'm out of business for good. And New Yorkers by trade usually try to uh, you know, fight before they go down or they'll go down with a fight and not physically fight. At least you've got to go and show me the science that reveals why I can't have my business open as opposed to the guy or the woman right down the street. And I guess it's happening, Stuart, around the country. I watch your show, too, from California to Wisconsin to Michigan. People yep. are going, excuse me, why are you shutting me down? Why are my kids at home? Why can't I go to work? Why do I go to an indoor mall, but I can't go to an indoor restaurant? Please explain that to me. Oh, you don't want to explain that to me? Then I'm staying open. People are fed up. And nobody. Absolutely. the pandemic is nobody's fault except China. But I just do do this thing. When I get up at 2.30 in the morning, I'm able to watch world news. And around, I go to your old place, the U.K., and I listen to the BBC. Do you know around Europe, the strictest lockdowns are revealing a rise in this virus? Yep, do yep, you know so it, all this sacrifice so is not producing any yep, results anywhere yep, else? Yep. We're not the problem.
18: It's not working. Wrecking the economy, wrecking industries, and it doesn't work. What a miserable situation. Brian, thanks very much indeed. Spell it out clearly. I like that.
2: Thanks, Stuart. All right. Uh, now, uh, we have um, the one story that you've been telling me off the air, Allison, you have to share to us on the air. You know, LifeVac, right? A friend of mine, Arthur Lee, invents LifeVac. It's for people that choke. The Heimlich doesn't work, especially with kids in many situations. So if you have a fire extinguisher in your house, he invented this LifeVac and it looks like a sophisticated plunger. Harmless, clear, right? You, got, you have three little kids in your house.
6: You just said, I need one. I do, and it was sort of like it's a— it's a perfect gift for someone who has everything right, and also for my friends who might be a little bit more um, paranoid about life than me. Not to say I'm not paranoid. Also, well, you don't
2: know what to get your friends. and you They like, oh, for Christmas, don't worry about me.
6: Completely. So I met up with some friends this weekend and give the kids gifts, and then I hand each of my friends something wrapped. Like, what are you doing giving adults gifts? We're not doing this. I'm like, trust me, you're going to like it. I wish I had it on video. They both opened it up, and they it was like a commercial. They are like, oh, my God, a life hack. My one friend already had one for home, and I actually had given her the travel one. I didn't know this. She's like, I bought it. My husband makes fun of me. I am. It's like the best thing I ever bought. My other friend said she's been meaning to buy it. Her daughter actually choked on a carrot when she was younger, and she said she went to go do what she was supposed to but totally froze. And thankfully, her brother-in-law was around and then gave her daughter the back blows, and she was okay. But she's like, I've been wanting this. They were both over the moon about it.
2: Yeah, and uh, if you go to com. you can order .net. it. Uh, life got, uh, life back, V-A-C, dot net. Yes, You can order, get free shipping You put our uh, show in there But I keep in mind too, Arthur wrote me last uh, Friday I forgot to bring it up, they saved four people in one day Four kids in one day wow. It's in a lot of nurses' offices, a lot of fire departments And uh, I just think it's a fantastic device
11: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News
1: Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome
2: back, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Comes here from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, show. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour. But also, kind of an exciting day. There's going to be a vaccine summit uh, today at the White House. The president's got to be pumped up for that. One day, after giving Dan Gable the Medal of Freedom honor, the outstanding wrestler, there's no one been better or dominant in any sport, uh, arguably, than Dan Gable is of his. You think Tom Brady's good at uh, football? Sure. Dan Gable's better at wrestling. And I'll put that up to anybody's uh, examination. What I also like about it, he's in the sport without revenue, which is pure grit and guts. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What really breaks my heart is
3: that um, I don't know of any data that says you need to shut down outdoor dining or outdoor bars. Uh, We really wanted to limit the indoor crowded places. So, Um, I think we need to do what's necessary to turn the pandemic, but not more.
2: Well, there you go. That's Admiral Brett Girard. He's running the task force. I believe him. The death of small business is happening unnecessarily. It's because governors, mostly almost all Democrat, mayors, almost all Democrat, are haphazardly shutting down businesses that are almost all small businesses, whether it's that restaurant down the block or the hardware store down the block. They're letting go and watching Target and indoor malls flourish, and it has been devastating to the economy and to people's lives and families. It's got to
17: stop.
4: Number two. The legal team uh, reached out and asked if I would be willing to to present the oral argument if the court took the case, and I told them I'd be happy to uh, because particularly at a time when this country is so divided, when, when people are so angry, I think we need a sense of resolution. Senator
2: Ted Cruz, President's Recount, Best Hope, Pennsylvania. Ted Cruz says you get there to the Supreme Court, I'll take the case.
1: Number one. It is the shot seen around the world. First on the globe to receive it, 90-year-old grandmother Maggie Keenan made history.
6: I say go for it. Go for it because it's, it's free and it's the best thing that's ever happened. So do, please go for it. That's all I say. <laughs>
2: Uh, The Vaccine Summit uh, is getting underway and we have a first Pfizer recipient got the shot. 90 year old from the UK. What does it mean? And are you prepared to take the vaccine? What would it take to convince you if you are not, if there is indeed possible? So let's talk about the Vaccine Summit Uh, today. uh, We will see in a few hours uh, you'll have uh, you will excuse me. Yeah, in a few hours. President Trump will deliver remarks about Operation Warp Speed, how it's produced one vaccine in two more weeks, the next vaccine and the FDA uh, greenlights it on Thursday will begin to get shots this weekend. About 20 million, will, 21 million will be released in terms of vaccines. You need one. Wait three weeks, roughly, and then you need another. That's for Pfizer and the Tech. Of course, the freezing stuff in 74 uh, below Fahrenheit is going to be a challenge, but I think they beat it. I think the military's on top of it. I think FedEx has been uh, mobilized, and I think this is going to be great. So the White House summit on the coronavirus will take place between two and five. They're going to talk about the vaccine development, how we're going to get it everywhere. Brett, you will be speaking there. But in terms of how we're going to survive until we get the shot on a widespread basis, I don't know. Because I'm looking at these numbers and I'm stunned to see how many people have died while waiting to beat the virus. How many businesses have suffered? For example, more than 110,000 businesses, according to the National Restaurant Association, restaurants have closed up. That's 70% of all of them. Out of the 87%, um, of of 87% of the... Uh, 87% of the restaurants, 36% uh, have lost their revenue, a significant amount of revenue. 59% have uh, higher labor costs and have had to let go of their labor force at one point over the last year. 500,000 restaurants are at risk. In California, they're about to shut down entirely. So goodbye, Los Angeles restaurants. Goodbye, San Francisco restaurants. And even if your area, like Orange County, is not that bad, you will suffer the same fate. Kevin O'Leary, you know him from Shark Tank just blasted the ham-handed way in which these closures are taking place. Cut five.
9: How is it possible when I've spent sixty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 on the back of the restaurant and the front of the restaurant to provide the seats and the heaters and it, it complied with the city ordinance, and right across the street is a big-box retailer with food services, vending machines and open service courts inside the store. You're telling me the viral load in the outside of my restaurant is higher than the viral load inside of the big box, which is enclosed?
2: You know, it's not true. And it's, and the thing is, we're, we're seeing this happening over and over again, a double standard. I'm going to go to the outdoor mall because my restaurant's closed. I set up and invested money for an outdoor seating. If I'm in Florida California, even Texas, some parts, I can do that. In New York, it's pretty much done. We can go indoors for now, and our governor is taking great pride in saying it's going to close soon. He thinks it's hysterical, uh, and if it does close, it's all our fault, so it doesn't matter. Uh, don't don't really take it to heart. Meanwhile, in New York, there's a lot of restaurants that just don't want to stop. Now, in New York City in Manhattan, there's not a lot of people protesting because there's no people to frequent them outside the neighborhoods of of uh, Chelsea, Tribeca, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, where people work, there's no people working, so there's no sense in fighting to stay open. But in Staten Island and places like that, there's a huge fight. For example, the co-owner of Max public house is Dan Presti. He is a guy that said, I'm staying open. They shut him down. They arrested him. They want to arrest him the next day. I think it was Sunday, at which time he went out to his car. He thought he was being chased, according to him, by two uh, people, who just want to, I don't know, harass him. He ran in his car, and it turns out there were sheriffs. They were on the hood of his car, and one fell off and, and got hurt. Cut 18.
3: I have nothing but the utmost respect for the NYPD and law enforcement. Um, I think when the investigation is complete, you're going to find out that I did nothing wrong.
2: His lawyer talked about what they're trying to do here, and what they're trying to do is just make a living. His name is Lou Giro- Almino. Here's what he said, cut 20.
16: If you can go a block and a half and get a cheeseburger, which you can, okay, if anybody can show me science that the COVID virus stops at the railroad tracks, we'd be more than happy to shut down. Until then, we'd like the same, we'd like the same.
19: We'd like
16: the same, we'd like the same, like the same, like the same consideration given to the other half of Staten Island and being able to serve out cheeseburgers and out beer here.
2: Well, it's not just New York and Staten Island. It is out in California. Governor Gavin Newsom closing up shops again and restaurants again. But now he's being asked questions. Like, can you just tell me the science behind the massive closures? Cut four.
7: And I'm wondering what you say to these people who say, look, I've done everything you've asked. I followed the rules. I spent a lot of money on PPE. My staff is on the brink of you know, losing their jobs, we're on the brink of losing our business.
8: I said it Friday, I said it Monday, I'll say it again today, um, I'm deeply empathetic and deeply uh, committed to advancing the cause of supporting our so, small businesses. So
2: what, what he does is he's not... He did, and he's already got caught eating in a restaurant, so he has zero compassion and zero credibility. How this guy thinks he's going to have even a political career after this is beyond me, but it was explained to me yesterday, for people in California, he would actually get reelected. Uh, if he won again, he's been terrible, can't control the fires, can't control the business, can't control the pandemic. He should ask for the ship back. He should have built out uh, the emergency rooms in these hospitals. He should have recruited more hospital workers because just about all the science was saying this could come back in the fall if there's no vaccine. Now there's a vaccine. But the science says K through 12, let him go to school, certainly K through eight. And the science says outdoor dining is worth it let it happen. Here is the Surgeon General, cut two.
3: And we talked a lot about putting out uh, better guidance, improved guidance based on what we now know about the virus. And uh, you and Senator Paul talked about it. We know that it is safe to keep schools open in general uh, when you take precautions. We know that outside is better than inside, and that if you close down people's ability to congregate in an outdoor area, they're just going to run inside, and the virus will spread. So I think we need to be more intelligent, more strategic yeah. about some of these closures.
2: Yeah, it would help. I look in Wisconsin. These Catholic families and schools are challenging the state's continued closure of high schools. Why are they doing it? It's a Catholic school. You don't have to go. You choose to pay a tuition. Catholic families and schools in the Diocese of Lansing have, told, have today filed a lawsuit in federal court challenging the order by the Michigan Department of Health. They're saying open up. Now, there's also a movement in Michigan, by the way, uh, along with Wisconsin, um, uh, in Michigan to open up the University of Michigan. The, the Mackinac uh, Center Legal Foundation has filed a lawsuit against the University of Michigan claiming it violated the state's uh, Freedom of Information Act. They want to see the documentation that the governor's using to shut down everything. She has shut down everything. She has had virtual learning everywhere. There's it's banning dining in restaurants. It closes all entertainment venues. How the heck did the president lose this state? They hate this woman. I'm not saying that anybody should go kidnap her. Of course, that's illegal. Uh, that's nuts. You have to be insane to want to do that. But to me, the president's saying find a way to open up. She's finding a way to close it down, waiting for a handout from Joe Biden, which I'm sure she thinks she's going to get. If the tenant doesn't have to approve it, and I'm not sure anyone's going to put it, it's just a payout to her. So she feels she doesn't have any pressure uh, a pressure to to open up and get some tax revenue. The Wisconsin parents have sued the city of Ransom for shutting down schools. A group of parents there, uh, uh, choose, uh, they have formed an advocacy group. They're suing one city after they closed the public and private schools in defiance of the state Supreme Court ruling. So the court rules one way, and they just do another. It's unacceptable. I'm heartened by the fact that people are standing up. We know the danger. No one's making you eat out. But if you want to eat out, if you feel you're not in that target range, if you're 85 years old and you have pre-existing conditions, it might not be worth it. But when I hear Governor Cuomo invite Anthony Fauci on, knowing that he missed 17 meetings with the White House Task Force, coronavirus task force, and then he's kidding around with Anthony Fauci while businesses are waiting on pins and needles to see if they're going to close up. Little uh, athletes are wondering if they can play again and they can open up. Listen to this back and forth. Am I the only one not finding this humorous? Cut 14.
14: Put us together. We're like the uh, modern-day De Niro and Pacino. You can be whichever (laughs) you want. You can be the De Niro (laughs) or Pacino. Fauci and Cuomo. I'll give you a friend. Who who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want to be? I
11: love (laughs) them both. I love them both. I don't want to insult one or the other. If I say one, I don't want to hurt
2: the feelings of the other. Yeah. Well, he is so caught up in his arrogance and his Emmy Award, and his book sales. I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed uh, I am and how I will do everything to flip the channel when he hops on. All he does is talk about himself and how great a job he does when he leads the nation in deaths. Yeah, we got blindsided by Europe and China at the same time. Nobody blames him for it. He had that swagger saying our hospitals will never get overwhelmed. We're not like China, and we did. Nobody. Then he was quick to blame the president, then compliment the president, then blame the president again. So to me, he's got zero character. When things go wrong in the city, when riots go crazy, when they defund the police, he criticizes, but doesn't take action. Nothing's ever his fault. And if you don't and if the numbers go up, it's because we're not worthy of him. And real quick, I had a chance to talk to the lawyer for Dan Presti, who's with that Max Pub and Grill in Staten Island. And... You know, they mock that now on SNL. I have a pretty good sense of humor. I understand there's humor in everything. But if you think that Governor Cuomo is not ripe for humor, if you think that the mayor of Colorado who tells everyone don't travel on Thanksgiving and travels on Thanksgiving, mayor of Austin goes to Cabo warning everyone in Texas not to travel from Cabo. If there's no humor in that, you're hardly fair and balanced and you're hardly uh, making your target market humor. It's really about politics. So Pete Davidson from Staten Island mocked Staten Island all the time in not a fun way, whose dad died in, as a firefighter in 9-11, but he's obviously a breakout star, mocked Staten Island on SNL. Let's listen.
10: I saw uh, the protest. People were outside the bar shouting about freedom, freedom. Taunting the cops, chanting that they should arrest the governor. But it's Staten Island, so I assumed that it was just like a typical last call. <laughs> And are you against these protests? I mean, kind of, but I'm also just happy I'm no longer the first thing people think of when they say what's the worst thing about Staten Island. What exactly were they protesting? Well, the bar, uh, shockingly, is in a neighborhood with the second highest COVID infections in all of New York. So the rule is that they're supposed to let people eat or drink outside. And the owner said no one wants to do that because they'll go out of business. But the argument that people in Staten Island don't want to drink outside can be disproven by going to literally any Little League game. I take it that you found these protests frustrating. <laughs> yeah, man. They're making us look like babies. You know, you know, it's bad when even people in Boston are like, ah, drink at home, you quiz. <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: so, okay, you see a little humor in that. So I, we asked Lou this today. He's the attorney representing the bar.
16: I know Pete Davidson's mother, and I knew his father. They're great people. So I'm not going to disrespect them by disparaging Pete, but I will say this. There were 2,000 Americans there that came from all over the tri-state area to attend that rally. They protested peacefully, without rioting, without looting, there were over 200 of them that actually cleaned up the street. So I'll say this to Pete Davidson and the rest of the members of the Saturday Night Live crew. Maybe they can give up part of their big paychecks they receive to small business owners throughout the country who can't put food on their families' tables. These are great Americans, good, hard-working Americans. They're mocking, and it's disgraceful.
2: And meanwhile, they allow a live audience at 48th Street and six, 50th and six, right where they were not allowed to go see the tree, but you're allowed to go see SNL. They worked out a loophole where they pay them about $125 to go watch, so they're allowed to go. So there's zero sacrifice for SNL. But there's all this sacrifice for the bar owner who works 80 hours a week to make a very small profit. This is the Brian Kilmeade show. I'm going to be back with your calls in just a moment. Alan West at the bottom of the hour. Tell us what's happening in Texas and more.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Getting the the Supreme Court to take a case is not easy. Typically, you get about 8,000 appeals to the Supreme Court in a given year. They take about 80 of them. They take about 1 percent. And so, this is a big big case. This has to be considered, right? I I think the court should consider it. I have called on the court to do it. I think it's the right thing to do. There will be justices who would prefer to stay out of this, who would prefer— to, to protect their own, their own credibility, essentially to protect their backsides, I, I think that's the wrong thing to do here. I think when you look at a country where 39 percent of Americans right now believe this last election was rigged, that's a real problem for confidence in the integrity of our electoral system.
2: So he says he'll take it. He was asked by the Trump campaign to do it. We know Rudy Giuliani leading the legal challenges uh, is now with the coronavirus in the hospital. I don't know if he got out. I hope he's doing okay, obviously. Ted Cruz said he would present to the Supreme Court if asked, and he's as talented and he's got the experience to go do it. We all know that. So the question is, when Pennsylvania does things like at the last minute, allow ballots to arrive five days after Election Day, and allow to, to uh, these ballots to allow even uh, Election Day at all, and have mail-in voting to a massive number of people that changes Pennsylvania from an early start by the president to uh, a loss uh, uh, to the vice president. It makes people wonder if they made, did, did things in violation of the Constitution and even the state constitution. So if you're going to have an argument, why not use your a team? And if you can get it to the Supreme Court and want to overturn Pennsylvania, Ted Cruz is the guy that can do it. Think about how far that relationship has come. From the guy that would not endorse Donald Trump and the brawl they had to get the nomination to a guy that would go fight for him to get him four more years. Pretty amazing. We come back, Alan West, on uh, Lloyd Austin possibly becoming the next Secretary of Defense and more.
11: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum, the host of The Story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: One of the things that we learned at Bush v. Gore was that you have to have uh, operate under the rules in effect when people vote, and we're already voting in Georgia. People are you know, uh, voting by mail. They'll, next Monday, they'll start voting uh, in person, and so I think that's going to be difficult to do to change the rules. I do think, though, that uniform guidance from the State Board of Elections on what is acceptable behavior by each of the 159 counties is a way to get some of these things resolved. And I, my understanding is the Republican effort is, is aimed at get doing exactly that, because different counties interpret things and do things in a different way, and that really is, is raising a 14th Amendment issue of, of equitable treatment of people in different counties. So
2: Carl Rove is in charge of getting money for the Republican candidates, uh, Purdue and Leffler, talking about things that got to be straightened out that didn't go right on November third, that have to go right on January fifth for the Republicans to be successful. Joining us now, a um, man spent considerable time, grew up in Georgia, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, now running the Texas GOP. Uh, Colonel, do you have concerns with the current system is is executed now when it comes to voting? They had a terrible primary season; it was a mess. And then in an election, we know at the very least the president, no one's really uh, too pleased that that has an R next to their name.
19: Well, it's good to be with you, Brian, and Merry Christmas. And without a doubt, I think everyone should be concerned about if you're going to continue on with the exact same practices and uh, procedures and processes and voting machines is what we saw, the debacle that we are continuing to deal with and live with. uh, That is not the way that you have a learn your lesson. So the good thing is that there's a lot of attention that will be there in Georgia now with these two Senate runoff races. And I know that the uh, National Republican uh, Party has and a lot of uh, volunteers, and we have a lot of people that are uh, heading from Texas out to Georgia to to assist as well. And I will—I don't know if you knew about it, but last night, right before midnight, the state of Texas filed a lawsuit against Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin for these voting irregularities, some of the illegal actions and constitutional actions that we have seen from executives and also from uh, some of the judges in these states that have led us to this point. Because again, it's a Fourteenth Amendment. Equal protection on the law issue with these national elections, and Texans don't want to see these false failures and irregularities affect them.
2: I've got to get my head around this. So Texas is suing other states because they did a uh, terrible job?
19: Yeah, uh, because the bottom line is that it's not just that they did a terrible job. You had unconstitutional actions. You had judges and courts as well as executive actions that were changing election law and some of the irregularities that we see and we know, confirmed affidavits that have been signed in these states. This is a national level election. And so, therefore, that has an effect on the people here in Texas. And so that has gone to the Supreme Court. It's a very strong argument, and it's a proper argument. Argument and what the argument presents is that it should be the state legislature, the state legislators that are the ones responsible for selecting those electors because of those uh, irregularities and those uh, problems that uh, those four states had.
2: Wow. Uh, so we'll see. And who do you file
19: that with? That was filed to the Supreme Court. It uh, was filed last night right before midnight. Uh, it's making its way through the, uh, through the news right now. And so I wanted to, you know, definitely make sure that you, uh, you and I had the opportunity to chat about that. Okay. Because that's a game changer. It's a huge game changer. And uh, because this is not just talking about a state election or a local election. This is talking about a national election. And so the, the state of Texas has standing in presenting this case. And so we're not saying that you throw out ballots. We're saying that as we get ready for the electors to be uh, to, to be selected, that should be something that goes to the state legislatures to do that. And the state legislatures should have been the one that are going out there and changing election law through the du- duly uh, legislative process as representatives of the people, not judges and not executives.
2: Because the governors are making these moves all through the executive orders, right?
19: Absolutely right. And you and you cannot do that. We live in a constitutional republic, not a constitutional monarchy. But you would think that so, a Republican uh,
2: legislator in Pennsylvania, for example, wouldn't wouldn't have tolerated this.
19: Well, you know, but the the problem is that when you have, I mean, yeah, they don't want to tolerate it, but when you have the the judges uh, there in Pennsylvania or a governor that is uh, ruling by edict, mandate, order, and decree, and that's one of the problems that we've seen with the COVID-19 issue, and you've seen some state Supreme Courts come back, such as in Michigan, and rule that Governor Whitmer, what she was doing, is unconstitutional. So that's the approach that we're taking, is that these uh, governors and these uh, judges, these courts, cannot take Just to change election law. Uh, you know, right right in the middle of an election cycle.
2: So let, let's look at this the way it is right now. If the president can't start mounting up some victories, for example, Pennsylvania, if they can't get the Supreme Court to take it, if everything certifies on the 14th, Britt Hume weighed in on what January 5th means for Republicans who we know the president of the United States uh, got 11 million more votes. Not enough, it doesn't seem, but he's got 11 million more. We know about the state legislature's victory. Uh, we know about uh, the the House shocking everybody by uh, within seven, uh, eight seats in the House And it looks like they'll hold on to the Senate If they have a little luck Here's what Brett Hume said, cut 27
11: This Georgia race confronts Republicans With the dilemma that the party's going to be facing For some time to come And that is this How to continue uh, to attract the support That John, Donald Trump brought to the Republican Party Among minority voters Among blue-collar voters While at the same time Finding a way to sand off the edges of their of their image and their message so that the people who are turned off by Trump, who might otherwise vote for Republicans, will come back to the fold. That is the problem. It is not an easy
19: one.
2: Well, that I mean, that's uh, pretty interesting. Do you do you look at do you have Trump in your rearview mirror?
19: No, I don't have Trump in the rearview mirror right now. He is still the president, and there's a lot of things that can still be resolved. Like I said, the lawsuit that the state of Texas has brought forth could uh, have the selection of those electors go to the state legislatures, uh, you know, coming up. So again, I think that when you look at where we go forward as a Republican Party, I absolutely agree. The president expanded the base of the Republican Party uh, greater in the minority community than anyone in the past 60 years. So how do you build upon that, Uh, you know, with the black community, with the Hispanic community, with the Asian community? One of the things that we're looking at here in Texas is establishing uh, a group called the 150 Black Men of Texas, because the Republican Party of Texas was founded by 150 black man on Independence Day of 1867. So that's not about the messenger. That's just about the history. That's just about your principles and policies and the things that you stand up for. So I think that we still can easily defeat the progressive socialist left, the Democrat Party, on the strength of our message, our policies, and that's proof in the pudding. No other president has done what Donald Trump did with support of historical black colleges and universities, criminal justice reform, all of those things. So when you talk about reshaping the message. It's not so much about reshaping the message. It's just about staying on track, fine-tuning that message, and make sure that we have the good, strong messengers that go forward if President Trump is not in the Oval Office come January the 20th.
2: All right. So Joe Biden is uh, form as is acting as if he's going to be the next president, uh, and he yeah. did have that uh, – he, he is within a week of making it official perhaps. Uh, He's going to nominate four star general, Army General Lloyd Mm -hmm. Austin for secretary of defense, first African-American to get Mm -hmm. that nomination. What are your thoughts on that?
19: Well, first of all, I know General Austin very well. I served with him at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, when he was the uh, brigade commander for the 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment, the uh, 3rd Brigade of the 82nd Airborne Division, an outstanding combat leader, commanded the division, commanded all troops in uh, Iraq, and also Central Command. The most important thing I want to make sure is that General Austin does not take us back to the years of the Obama and Biden administration, where we neutered our military, we destroyed our capability and capacity. We no longer had that uh, mantra of peace through strength and you saw Russia, China, North Korea, you saw Iran, you saw Islamic jihadism rise up against us. So as long as he remembers, you know, his his time in uniform and his uh his, his oath of office as a commissioned officer and not uh an oath to an ideological agenda, we'll be fine.
2: So, you know, obviously a four star general doing what he did in the roughest, uh, in one of the roughest times, as he's not being fully supported by the administration. But people have pointed out in his New Yorker story that when President Obama came out and said the JV team and that, uh, you know, the uh, ISIS, the JV team, and they should be marginalized, Mm -hmm. he says he was quoting General Austin on that. And then when it was time to train a lot of these rebels to take on the Assad regime, despite the millions they put in, they said they'd only had five fighters, and people want to pin that on him. Is it unjust?
19: Yeah, let me tell you, uh, I know that it was General Austin, who was the commander in Iraq at the time, when uh, President Obama and Vice President Biden made that unilateral decision to completely withdraw all of our troops. And General Austin had recommended for some type of residual force, much the same as what you see in Afghanistan right now, to remain in, in, in Iraq so that we would not have that void. And of course, that void was filled by ISIS. So I think General Austin is a fine, upstanding military officer. He has led at all levels of command in the United States Army. And I believe that he will do very well. And I pray that he does very well in standing up for. Our national security, the strength, capability, and capacity of our military, and not a leftist ideological agenda.
4: And lastly,
2: they—you know—it's in—it's uh, in our constitution. You got to be seven years out of the military before you serve mm-hmm. in that secretary position. They got a waiver from Mattis. Uh, it doesn't seem like Republicans and Democrats are anxious to give that waiver again. Should they?
19: Uh, I think we should be very circumspect. It would have to depend upon what was the most recent, I think, positions that you've seen General Austin in or has been in. But if he is true to the oath that he took uh, as a brand new second lieutenant in the United States Army, just the same as I took, to support and defend the Constitution, uh, I think that we uh, will be very well served by having him as the secretary of defense.
2: All right. How do you feel about the mayor of Austin telling us from Cabo not to travel?
19: What you know, that's that's a chucklehead. Uh, I mean, that is really what drill sergeants used to call stuck on stupid. And that's why the mayor of Austin, Steve Adler, has a petition uh, going out and about uh, for him to uh, be removed from office. And he should be. That's the arrogance of officialdom. That's what Marcus Tullius Cicero, the Roman statesman, called it.
2: Yes, I was going to quote him, but you beat me to the punch.
19: So. Absolutely. I try to beat you to the punch <laughs> all the time,
2: Brian. <laughs> Colonel, thank- <laughs> thanks so much, Colonel. I appreciate it.
19: God bless, man. You take care.
2: All right. we We'll find out if there's more to know, and we'll take some calls if possible. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Trump 2024 20, run will be the greatest political story ever. It'll be like the rematch of Ollie versus Listen. I Google that. Or Dobbs versus Killmead. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> so uh, he's obsessed with me, right?
6: Who isn't? That's right. is the question.
2: Uh, you, I think. Also, <laughs> do you think I could take Lou Dobbs, don't you?
6: I do. I do. Thank he you. can get sort of angry.
2: <laughs> when you're yelling at Stephen Miller, I think you're a little angry. He yelled at Stephen Miller to try harder. So uh, there's a lot of frustration on the right, I would believe. But it overwhelms what was a really good night on November 3rd because people focus on the president. But I get it. But if the the president wasn't the president, uh, they don't take the state houses. They don't push back on the House. This was the year when they're supposed to lose the Senate. I think it's a time to find out if there's indeed more to know.
1: More to
2: know. To the surprise of nobody who listens, Howard Stern has inked a new five-year deal with Sirius XM. He's more responsible than anyone. of, And to their credit, they saw the res- they saw the potential in Howard Stern when they grabbed him off terrestrial radio to the sustained success of satellite radio. Uh, he broke the news Tuesday morning, I guess today. Uh, he'll stay exclusively on Sirius for the next five years. Uh, shares rose about 1.8% on that. It's still kind of cheap at $6.64. Even even Eric can afford that.
6: Yes, even Eric can too. Eric,
2: would you pay now to buy serious stock?
11: still too rich for my blood. It's
2: still too rich? <laughs> too much. What if I give you $10 and we'll go half on one share? I'm of the uh, Tom Cotton School of Investing. <laughs> Which he was proud to say he does not have 2,684 trades like David Perdue.
6: Does that blow you away? That's a lot of trades if you're a sitting senator.
2: quote, Certainly have a lot more to say about Metamucil crackers and stepmom porn. Uh, The provocative broadcast continued. Plus, now that I can work from home, I simply don't have an excuse to quit. It's true. He never leaves his house.
6: You know, he can work from home all the time. Right.
2: It's um, the first time I used the term porn on the show today. I
6: think and stepmom porn and Metamucil, too.
2: (laughs) Next. Politically correct Santa tells a crying kid... He will not get what he wants, which is a Nerf gun. You have to try it. to hear this.
3: No, I, no, no guns. Nerf guns. No, not
14: even a Nerf gun. No, if, you, you, if your dad wants to get it for you, that's fine, but I can't bring it to you. But well, what else would you like? Lots of other toys. There's Legos, there's bicycles, oh God, there's cars and trucks.
2: This, this, this politically correct Santa will give him a Nerf gun. There's nothing more protect... There's nothing more harmless than a Nerf gun.
6: I know. If, if if Santa even needs political, Santa needs to find a new job.
2: I know. I got a cap gun.
6: Everybody got a cap gun. We all play cowboys and Indians. We were not the problem. I know. It, it teaches aim, things like that. I mean, and the kid... It sounds like the kid was two years old there. He was probably, what? I don't know, four, five... Six, I don't know. It, it Santa does not... Need, Santa needs... A new script. That's what I will say.
2: Next, Floby completely sold out after George Clooney mentioned it. A Floby is the self-cutting, self-hair-cutting machine often seen on late-night ads. Right. So, ever since George Clooney revealed that he cuts his own hair with a uh, do-it-yourself device famous for its old infomercials, people have been going out buying Flobies. Troy Hunts, the vice president of Flowbee, tells TMZ the actor's public shout-out in support of the product last week resulted in sales going up tenfold. The Flowbee uh, VP tells us they completely sold out, and it'll take two to four weeks to wait for a Flowbee. As for the Cooney boom, Hunt says it was a huge surprise because the company hasn't worked with him before and didn't even know he was a customer. Do you think he was just kidding?
6: No, it he, he was for real. I mean, A, he said it very naturally and organically on CBS Sunday Morning and then he mentioned it again and apparently demonstrated it on a later interview.
2: Oh, wow. So it's true.
6: No, he really does have it. It's that, that's why it's sold, because it is true. Because it's actually true. Even George Clooney, who looks good no matter what, he can look good with a flowy haircut.
2: I don't know. Do you think he's aging well?
6: Don't you? No. I, I, he looks good.
2: All right. Next.
6: You don't think so. Not really. I think uh, you're jealous.
2: Olympics 2024 is adding a brand new sport. And I know what you agree with me when I say it's about time. Baseball? No. No. How about breakdancing? Breakdancing will, uh, will be called in. Breakers uh, will be uh, bringing, coming to the floor in Paris. The idea was proposed two years ago after trials at the 2018 Junior Olympics in Argentina. Uh, in 2024, the dance offs will take place at a downtown venue in the French capital alongside sport climbing and 3v3
6: basketball. 3v3 basketball? The in- of Olympics is the history. But, Brian, admit it you would have a gold medal around your neck if breakdancing was an olympic sport a few right. years ago
2: but then then it would ruin it for me because i do it for fun as an outlet the minute it became like a job i wouldn't feel comfortable doing it you that is want to why train i, I don't yeah <laughs> just don't think it belongs in the olympics this blows me away i mean this is a joke no one breakdances anymore it's not even in it's not no one's even doing
6: it Well, the, that's very 80s well <laughs> In normal times, you'd walk through Times Square and you would see some break dancers, but you don't see that anymore. Right.
2: The only thing I see? Homeless people? Nope. Construction workers? One more time. Naked cowboy.
6: Oh, he's still out there? Still
2: out there. Does not feel the cold, evidently. Just a guy still in his naked? briefs and his boots. Okay. And um, knows my name.
6: That's really just why I wanted to mention it. Very odd. How well, well known you are.
2: He's a great guy, but when you see a man in his briefs walking through Times Square and says hello to you while playing guitar. It's a little different.
6: See, I would say that's how you know you've made it.
2: (laughs) Always Always glass half full.